Bibles out this morning, turn to the book of Mark, uh, chapter number three. Mark chapter number three, when you find it, we're going to expedite things, jump into it if we could. Let's stand together, Mark chapter number three, and let's look down to verse one. Mark chapter number three, going to read down a few verses here. We'll reference one other here in a moment. Mark chapter three, look down to verse one. Bible says, and he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had, notice this, a withered hand. And they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. And he saith unto them, it is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save life, or to kill? But they held their peace. When he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for their hardness of hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Father, thank you this morning for the great opportunity just to come to church. Thank you for this church and for these people. Thank you for our young people. Thank you for blessing them. I pray you continue to use them. Now, Father, as we've opened your word now to preach it, I pray that, Father, you'll help us in the next few minutes to share the message you've given us. Lord, not to chase any rabbits, Lord, but just to give the truth that we need today. I pray that every heart, Lord, would be open, not as the Pharisees we just read about who were hardened and would not receive the word. Help us receive it today. Help us be changed by it today that your will be done for us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. On the itinerary, we were supposed to leave the hotel at 6.30 yesterday morning. Uh, We were in Weatherford, Texas, which is kind of a suburb city of Dallas. And after a long weekend, I looked at my wife and I said, there's no way these kids will be on the bus at 6.30. Uh, just no way at, at all. And so I wasn't t- in a terrible rush yesterday to get to the bus and get our car loaded up because I knew they would not be ready by 6.30. Uh, I walk out of the room. I'm in casual clothes. I'm slowly gathering my things. And I noticed there was quite a few teenagers already eating in the breakfast area of the hotel. And I thought, wow, there's more of them than I thought there would be. Uh, but I just kept taking my time, getting some luggage, carrying it to the car, loading it up. And on one of my last passes to the bus, I looked up and the bus was loaded with teenagers. I stepped onto the bus at 629 and lo and behold, much to my surprise, every teenager was on the bus. So by the way, parents, that just goes to show you, they can do it, okay? They can be up early and be on the bus at 629. So because of that, I thought I had plenty of time to go get breakfast. Uh, I got a waffle for my wife. Miss Jessica had made her a waffle and I took it to my wife, but I didn't get breakfast because I thought I would have plenty of time. And surprised by the punctuality of our teenagers, I missed out on breakfast which I don't like doing. And so I got in the car and we began to drive and Brother Jim is fireballing the Central Baptist rocket ship uh, down I-20. So he get home to see Miss Stacy. He misses her uh, and he wanted to see her. So we're fireballing it and suddenly my alarms begin to go off, my internal alarms. Do y'all have those? Begin to tell you that you haven't eaten. And I look around the car and I had a leftover uh, piece of a Coca-Cola, about, about that many ounces of it. It was flat, which was horrible. And I think I found a mint or something to chew on. And after about an hour and a half, it was gone. Uh, my body had done consumed that and there was nothing else there to eat and I was getting hungry and then lo and behold as the sun was rising on the Texas plains I began to notice a very large round sign in the distance uh, it was a beacon of hope to all of us who were hungry at that moment it was a sign it bore no words only the image of a beaver in the distance 
I knew at that moment that we had closed in on Terrell, Texas. We had reached the Buckies, and when the blinker came on, uh, the Fireball Express, I began to realize we're going into Buckies. And I was so excited. I think we were all excited. Amen, Brother Richard? We were all excited. We got to go into Buckies. And we went in there, and oh my soul, Buckies has I had never been to Buckies for breakfast. They had everything from breakfast burritos to sandwiches to fudge and uh, their, their pulled pork sandwiches. They had it all. And uh, I loaded my basket, loaded my basket, get to the checkout. And the lady says, did you find everything you needed? I looked at her and I said, are you kidding? I don't need any of this stuff. I want it. I found more than I wanted when I came in here and I walked out of the gas station where the Richard was already in his car. Miss Susan was chauffeuring him. I don't know how he gets her to do that for him. I guess she likes him or something. And she's chauffeuring him around and I walk out. All Richard could do was laugh when he saw how many bags I had. All I wanted was breakfast, but when I went into Bucky's, I found a whole lot more than breakfast. And I assure you, you go into Bucky's, you're going to find a whole lot more as well. But I had my needs met. I got a burrito, I got a croissant, and I got a Coke, and I got some coffee, and I had all the needs that I needed to get me the rest of the way home. As a matter of fact, uh, I didn't even have to eat lunch. I was still full from all of my junk that I had got at Bucky's. I refilled all of my needs. I had the need in my belly, and I filled the need in my belly, and everything was taken care of. I want you to keep that in mind for a moment, that sometimes we get off on the highway of life, and we begin to realize that our spiritual stomach is empty. Amen? Ever been there? You've been in a place to where as you're going along life, you begin to feel like that your spiritual resources are depleted. Maybe you don't have the joy that you once had. Maybe you feel like your spiritual stomach is empty of contentment and peace in your life and you need a refilling, amen? Sometimes an encounter with Christ is not just about being redeemed. It's about being restored. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that when we turn to Christ, it's not just a one-time deal. Where we come to know Christ and He is our Savior and He says, Hey, I love you. I saved your soul. I'll see you when we get to heaven. Aren't you glad it's not like that? Aren't you glad that when you have an encounter with Christ, that he walks with us, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and lo, I am with you always. That means all the way from the time that we get saved all the way to heaven and throughout all eternity, Christ is there for us. But sometimes in my Christian walk, I have to turn to Christ again because I find out that something is empty. I find out that my spiritual belly is not full as it needs to be. And I'm thankful that I can go to Christ and find something that you see in verse number 5. Look what the Bible says. And he stretched it out, talking about his withered hand. And his hand was what? Restored. Aren't you thankful this morning that there are times... We turn to Christ and have an encounter with Christ, and it's not about being redeemed again, because once you're redeemed, you're redeemed, amen? You are saved, you are sealed, you are secure. You cannot lose your salvation. But boy, there have been times I have lost my joy. There have been times I have lost my peace and my contentment in my life. And I'm thankful that there's a risen Christ. We'll preach about here at Easter soon. They can do what the Bible says in verse number 5. He can restore what is missing and what is lacking. Now, can I just encourage you real quick before I give you the message? I'm going to run through the points as quick as the Holy Spirit will let me. Be careful where you turn to to find what you need. Be careful where you turn to. 
there are times in life when you're not going to have the joy that you want. Look, do you know why a majority of Americans are in debt today? It's because we, we come to a place in our life to where things aren't going the way we like them to go and we turn to retail therapy, right? You know, if I just bought this, if I just had this, I would be happy. And yes, it may give us a band-aid of happiness, but it can't give what only Jesus can give. Only Jesus can give joy. Joy is something that lasts and will endure even in the toughest of times. That's why we have to turn to Christ for that. Because only the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's not the fun of the world or the happiness of amusements. Matter of fact, I knew someone once, um, they, uh, <clears throat> when their marriage would be on the rocks and they would have trouble, uh, they would have a baby. And the baby would make everything better for a little while. And I'm thinking, after a while, you're not going to be able to afford to have any trouble in your marriage, all the kids you're having. And they were affectionately called makeup babies, really were. I'd have a baby, we have a fight, we'll have a baby, everything seems good, we have a baby, and after a while, we'll have another baby. Can I tell you something? Be careful of where you turn. Because only what Christ can give us will last. The joy of the Lord, the peace of God, the power of God. Those are things we can only get from the Lord and they'll only last. Could it be said this morning, if, the, if Christ is the source of all we need, then he should be the one we turn to to get it again. That when we have the joy of the Lord and we lose our joy, wouldn't it stand to reason that we have an encounter with Christ to get the joy back? Wouldn't it stand to reason that if Christ is the one who gave us peace, that only the peace of God will do when we lose our peace in our life? This morning, I want you to look at this account with this man. The Bible says he had something happen to him that I need. And I bet you're going to need at times in verse 5. You're going to need to be restored. You're going to need to be restored. Could I just encourage you this morning in a message, I'm going to give you three quick points, that we need to follow the pattern of this man in a restoration encounter. That if we want true restoration with Christ, we need to follow the example. The Bible says these things were written for our admonition. That God preserved in his word the pattern that you and I can be restored. I don't know about you, there are times my joy needs to be restored. My peace, my contentment needs to be restored. How do we do that? Well, there's an example right here in Mark chapter number 3 of a restoration encounter. I want to show that to you this morning if we could. Let's jump right in. Just jump, look at verse number 5. <clears throat> the Bible says there's a man here who has a withered hand. All right? A withered hand. We don't know how it happened. We don't know if that's something he was born with. But he has this withered hand. And here Christ is desiring to restore it. So watch what he does in verse 5. When he looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Now, here's what I want you to understand. A withered hand is a hand that is not functioning the way that it should. A withered hand is a hand that is not fulfilling it is its full potential. A withered hand is a hand that is not accomplishing all that it could. And yet here comes Christ and he heals him and he puts it back in working order. I don't know about you, I've never had a withered hand, but I've had things in my heart in my life that have been withered that were not functioning the way that they should function, that I was not meeting and living up to my full potential. But thanks be to God, a true encounter with Christ can restore all of that. Aren't you glad? Number one this morning, I want you to notice in this 
restoration encounter that Christ restores what's withered. Christ restores what's withered. Now, now think about this this morning. There are times as a Christian to where you are not going to live up to the standard that God has outlined that we could live up to. That there are times, <clears throat> excuse my raspiness, <clears throat> I promise, I have been hollering at teenagers. Uh, I've been laughing at them, but I have been hollering at them. There are times my joy is withered. There are times my peace is withered. There are times my contentment and my power is withered. You say, what do you mean by that? It's not what it ought to be. Are you bringing me water? Hey, Amen. you're such a good guy. <clears throat> not only does, was that for you really? Was it for you? <laughs> Did I steal your water? I am so sorry. They got that on video. I just stole Brother Zach's water. I am in trouble now. But have you ever been there where you felt spiritually withered? You were not accomplishing what God says you're capable of accomplishing. You weren't living up to the standard that God says that we can live up to. And you were desperate for restoration. Aren't you glad this morning that the Jesus Christ that we turn to to restore us in a right relationship with the Father through salvation is the same Jesus Christ that we turn to to restore what only he could give us in the first place. That's why it's called the joy of the Lord. We got it from him, and we can only get it from him again. It's kind of like Bucky's. When I go to Bucky's, there's two things I always get, a pulled pork sandwich and their kettle chips. Have you ever had those? They are delicious. If you have it, you ought to go there. It's one of the seven wonders of the southern world. That's what Bucky's is. You know, we don't have a high bar like pyramids and hanging gardens. We just have Bucky's that you go to. And I'll go in there to Bucky's, boy, and I'll get those chips, and I'll dip them in little cups of barbecue sauce. They charge for them now, but it's worth it. Uh, dip them in there and eat those chips. Leslie and I going down the road, we like the same thing. And I love it. I know when I go into Bucky's what to expect. Pull pork. She likes the chopped beef. I don't care for it as much. I like the pulled pork. And I get the kettle chips and the barbecue sauce, and I dip it in there. I know every time when I go in that place what I'm getting because I know they've got what I'm looking for. Do you know that's what Jesus will do for you spiritually? Hey, I'm, I'm glad for Bucky's, and I mean, only in America. Only in America. But somebody sit back in their house one day and say, I'm going to build a gas station with 100 pumps and 100 toilets. I mean, who does that? Only Americans do that. Man, I'm thankful for the store. I'm thankful to find what I need there. But oh, let me tell you something. When you're spiritually withered, when your power is down and your joy is low and your peace is gone, a true encounter with Christ can restore whatever's withered. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's withered. It may not be your hand. It could be your heart. It might be something in your home, in your marriage, your relationship with your child. Can I ask you this morning, don't answer out loud and don't answer for your spouse. What's withered today? What's withered? You know, here's this guy, his hand is withered. I don't know exactly what it looked like or how long it had been that way. But boy, it wasn't functioning right. It wasn't working right. But thanks be to God, there was a Savior who can restore what's withered. This morning, look, it could be a bad relationship between a mom, a dad, and a child. You say, well, our relationship is withered. Can I tell you something? There's a Jesus that can, just, can restore the withered. You might be here this morning. It could be a husband and wife issue. And you're thinking, boy, our, our relationship is withered. Listen, there's an encounter with Christ that can restore what's withered. 
It may be this morning you have a co-worker. It may be someone uh, outside of your family at school. I don't know. And things are not the way that you desire they'd be. And the relationship is not functioning the way that it could be. But aren't you glad there's a Jesus Christ that did rise from the grave and has victory. And Lazarus would tell you, it doesn't matter how dead it is, Jesus can restore it. Aren't you glad? Look, some of you ought to smile every once in a while. I don't get it. I really don't. Get excited talking about a Jesus that can fix anything. We get to the place. I mean, we're thinking God died. He can't heal my marriage. He can't restore me and my child. He can't fix. Folks, he raised up Lazarus. Do you know why I go to Lazarus? That's the biggest problem you can have. You're dead. Some of you, some of you just had a light bulb moment. I could tell. I just saw it begin to glow. That's why I use Lazarus. Well, I just don't think there's any hope for that young person. Are they still alive? There's hope for them. I don't think there's any hope for my marriage. Are you still alive? Now, if you're not alive, all right, there's no hope for your marriage. But if you're still alive, there's hope. Why? Because we serve a Christ that you and I can encounter, and he can restore what's withered. We give up too easy. We really do. We give up on this country. I hear folks all the time. Look, you're just sitting at the spiritual bus stop waiting for Jesus to come. Well, this thing this thing's going downhill fast. I, can I tell you something? God could turn this thing around if he wanted to. You look at Nineveh. Look at Nineveh. Oh, man, they were so backwards, so turned upside down. And old Jonah didn't want it to happen. And then God has an encounter with those people. And God restores what is withered. Can I ask you this morning, what's withered? What's withered? Luke chapter 24, there's the account of Cleopas on the road to Emmaus. And if you read the first part of the account, after they've left Jerusalem, after the crucifixion, you, you leave, they're leaving the, the account, the Bible says they are sad. What did Jesus say? Why are you walking this way and acting so sad? Paraphrased. Why are you so sad? If you read the end of the story, the Bible says that those same people said, did not our hearts burn? Suddenly, they went from having a broken heart to a heart that was on fire. Why? They had an encounter with Christ. Here they are, all down and out, having the mully grubs. Jesus has died, and they did all this stuff, and the world is over, and the economy is shot. And Jesus comes up and says, why are you sad? Why are you sad? Well, here's what's going on and all that. In just a few minutes, they said, boy, didn't our hearts burn? Didn't our hearts burn? What happened? An encounter with Christ? Can I ask you something this morning? Simple question. Number one, number one, what is withered? What is withered? Number two, why are you giving up on it? Why are you giving up on it? There's a Christ that can do for you what he did in verse 5. And he stretched out his hand and was restored whole as the other. My wife has some house plants. For now. She does way better than I do. You give me a plant, it's like sending your plant to death row. You've just sentenced it to death. It's going to die. Slow, miserable death. My wife has had this house plant inside, and it's growing. It's, she, somebody gave her a bulb, and it started from a bulb. And this plant began to grow. And the other day, we're looking across the room, and it's withered. It's either withered or just really relaxed. Laying there like this. Leslie looks over, and she goes... I forgot we were gone to Alabama. I forgot to water the plant. 
few minutes later, she goes over there. You know, she has some of those little heart things. No, not really. She goes over there with some water and pours some water on there, and the plant's just there. I think it's too far gone. You know, we're going to put the, put the sheet over it, you know, call it. 343, it died. And uh, a few minutes later, I'm not joking, a few hours later, we watched that plant go from there all the way back up. And I looked at it this morning. I was preparing to preach. I looked across the living room, and that plant has been fully restored. Do you know why? It got what it needed. Do you know what we didn't do? We didn't go over and sing to the plant. We didn't pet the plant. We didn't talk to the plant. We gave it what it needed. I, I don't mind a good song. Man, our teenagers made me cry this weekend. They did such a great job. I like a good song. I like a good pat on the back every once in a while. I like encouragement. But I want to tell you something. A lot of times those are just Band-Aids. Thank God for Band-Aids. But you know, a Band-Aid just covers the wound for a little while. What I need is something that's going to go down deep and restore me. And only Jesus can do that. Number one this morning, notice Jesus restored what had withered. Bible says his hand was restored whole as the other. Can I ask you this morning, has your peace withered? Has your peace withered? Has your joy withered? Has your power withered? Could it be this morning we just need to have an encounter with Christ, a fresh encounter with Christ? Why? Because the peace comes from where? God. Jesus is what? The Prince of Peace. It's the power of God. Through Christ, I can do what? All things. You see, we lost it because we quit turning to him for it. That's why this morning we've got to realize that Christ can restore what has withered. I told my Sunday school class a very embarrassing story. I don't mind sharing with you if my humility helps you get a truth. Uh, before we left, Brother Zach had a very good uh, outline of where we're going to eat, what we're going to do each and every day. did a wonderful job organizing that. And uh, two pieces of paper stapled together on the back seat of our car. He said, we're going to have lunch at In-N-Out on Thursday. Is that correct? In and out in Dallas on Thursday. Someone told me there's only one in and out in Dallas. And so uh, I found the one in and out in Dallas. We got there 45 minutes early. We sat in the parking lot waiting on the team to arrive. A few minutes later, I called Brother Zach. Brother Zach, where are you guys at? He says, well, uh, we're on our way to in and out So I got out of my car, got in the parking lot, and I'm FaceTiming Brother Zach, going to direct the bus in where it can park. Brother Zach says, uh, we're here. I said, no, you're not. And then he has this very respectful look on his face not to embarrass me. Begin to realize, which one are you at? Oh, there's two. So I Googled on my phone, in and out, Dallas. And all of a sudden, all of these pink dots showed up all over the screen. Then I texted Brother Michael because I was too prideful to tell Zach I was at the wrong place. Brother Michael, send me your location. It was an hour and 15 minutes away. I sat in an In-N-Out parking lot, which is one of my favorite restaurants to eat at. I sat in an In-N-Out parking lot for 45 minutes and missed out on getting to spend time with our group, and I never got my burger. Never. I ended up going through Taco Bell or something, which is a crime in Texas to go to Taco Bell. Now hear me out. I missed out on what I was wanting because I didn't follow the instructions to what I needed. The instructions were on the back seat of our car. All I had to do was go to the instructions to find the directions to get where I wanted to go. Can I tell you, could it be the reason we're not finding joy, peace, and contentment in our life is because we're not following the instructions to the only place you can get it. 
which is Jesus Christ. Folks, I'll tell you this morning, maybe the reason something is withered is because you're looking in the wrong place. But then watch this, the second thing I'll give you. I want you to do me a favor. Turn to Luke 6 real quickly. We're going to read the parallel account of what's happening here, but I want you to see something that I didn't notice until I read Luke's account in Luke chapter number 6. Luke chapter 6, look down, if you will, to verse 6. Same account, different perspective. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught, and there was a man whose what? Right hand was withered. Back in Matthew, he just says his hand, but now we have a little more detail than in Luke 6. He says it is the man's right hand. Do you believe this book is inspired and inerrant, Word of God? That every word in here is supposed to be in here. So for some reason, God saw fit to tell us in the book of Luke that it was his right hand. I believe that word is in there is very important why that's in there. You go back to Oriental culture and custom during the biblical days, and the right hand always represented strength, authority, and power. 90% of people are right-handed. The rest of you 10%, that just makes you special, right? Uh, And those of you who can write with your right and your left, you're just super special. But in the biblical days, the right hand, that's why someone would sit at someone's right hand. In our popular culture today, we raise our right hand. Why? The right hand is a symbol of strength, authority, and power. But wait a minute. This man, in verse 6 of Luke 6, his right hand is withered. The hand that represents so much is now what? It is limited in its opportunities. The second thing I want you to see that when Christ healed his withered hand, do you know what he did? He also restored his opportunity. Christ restored his opportunity. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, it's very, very simple. You have one hand, you are capable. I know people who only have one hand and people who uh, have disabilities to where they have lost a hand or had a hand mangled or marred on the battlefield. If you only have one, you have capability, but but you have so much more capability when you have two. You do. You have more opportunity when you have two. Now, it's vital you understand this importance, that when he turned to Christ or Christ turned to him, he is now able, after his withered hand has been healed, for full potential and full opportunity. Now, this is important, folks. It's kind of like a domino effect, and I want you to hear me out. When you have something in your life that is withered, you can't live up to your full potential, spiritually. When your joy is withered, it's going to affect something else. You're not going to be able to fulfill all of the opportunities. That's why when we have something withered in our life, that which is withered becomes an obstacle to the opportunities. That's what was holding him back. Now, folks, I, I'm, I'm so thankful, by the way, that I'm not a priest. I really am. You don't come confess to me. Thanks be to God. You have an intercessor. You go through Jesus Christ straight to the throne of heaven and talk to God. I'm thankful you don't know what's withered in my life, and I don't always know what's withered in yours. I'll help you bear the burden if we want to talk about it, but we don't always tell everybody what's withered, do we? We learn how to put on a happy face. 
We learn how to smile. We learn how to talk through it. We learn how to act. Everything's fine. And we post pictures on Facebook, and it appears through the window, which, by the way, is a very small window on social media, that everything's okay. Yet the truth of the matter is, all of us have something that's withered sometimes. Something in our heart, something in our home, our joy, our peace, our contentment. Now, let me tell you why it's important you have an encounter with Christ. If you don't have an encounter with Christ and get whatever is withered fixed, it's going to hold you back from greater opportunities that God has for you. You lose your joy, you're missing out on opportunities God has for you. You lose your peace, your contentment, the power of God. If that withers in your life, it's a domino effect. You're going to miss out. Let me give you an example. Matthew 13 preached out of it last week, verse 58. The Bible says about the people of Nazareth that he did not many mighty things. Why? Because of their unbelief. What is unbelief? It's a lack of faith. You see, when your faith withers and your faith is not where it needs to be, the Bible says he did not many mighty things. They missed out on the opportunities of Christ because something had withered in their life. It's like having a withered hand. My dad had a man in his church. I've told a story about him before. Mr. Deborah knew him, Brother James Lee. He's in heaven with Jesus now. But he was picking up ordinance on uh, uh, somewhere at Camp Shelby years and years ago before I was ever born. And somewhere they got across a live round of something and it blew his hand up. And they had to go in and reconstruct his hand. And he joked about it, okay? I'm not being disrespectful. He joked about it. He called it his club. And it looked like that, okay? It blew the skin off of his hand. They had to do a skin graft to his chest and had to sew his hand to his chest so that the skin would grow. This is gross, but I'm going to tell you anyway. He had chest hairs on the palm of his hand. During handshaking, I always put up my left. And he would joke about it. I mean, asked my dad. He would joke about it. Brother James Lee, just a great guy. And he called it his club. As a matter of fact, one day he was walk walking through the VA in Jackson. No joke, he didn't have a whole lot of feeling in it. His hand stayed in a position like this. He gets on the elevator in the VA, no joke. He looks down, and there is a purse hanging from his hand. As he walked through the office building, somewhere, his hand, he's an honest guy, his club picked up somebody's purse. So now he's standing in the elevator, looking down, thinking, what do I do? Can you imagine that story? Hi, my hand took your purse. It wasn't me. It was my hand, you know. He took it back. The lady was very understanding. She had, she had been helping him before there in the office work. But he would work with us on construction. And the joke always was, watch out. Because he would hurt you. He's trying to carry a 16-foot 2x6 on his shoulder, and he would clamp his club onto it and walk around. But sometimes it would fall off, boom, and he'd hit you. He just wasn't as capable as he once was. Why? He had a withered hand. And it limited the opportunities of things that he could do. Now hear me out. When we have withered areas of our life, it's limiting the opportunities of what God would desire to do with us. That's why when we, we're, we've lost our joy, the answer is an encounter with Christ. Don't turn everywhere else. Don't go talk to this guy and that guy. No, go talk to Jesus. Why? An encounter with Christ will restore what's withered and restore that opportunity to you. Do you know you and I are a better witness when we have joy? I get picked on a lot. Evidently, my thinking face in that chair is mean. Brother Jimenez told me that, Miss Pam. 
He says, I watched y'all's live stream. He says, sometimes you look mad. I'm like, really? I'm the guy who signs his name with a smiley face. Well, sometimes my face doesn't look like it has a lot of joy. Do you know a face of joy is a better witness than one that doesn't have joy? You have more opportunities to be a witness when your joy and your peace and your contentment is full. The people at Nazareth missed out on opportunity. Why? Because their faith was, with, uh, was withered. Years ago, we were on our way to, and I'm going to hurry and give you the last point. It's the short one. We were in uh, Natchez on the way to the conference at Maranatha. and We began to pull in the driveway at the conference, and the lights of our car begin to dim and get, go from bright white down to that yellow, and then they just barely were shining out there on the road. And we parked the car, and the headlights were just dying. The battery was going dead. Dad begins getting out there with the car and looking at it. The headlights look good and goes and has the battery tested. The battery tested good and the guy at AutoZone says, well, it must be your alternator. They test the alternator and says, yep, that's your problem. You see, it's not the headlights. It's not the battery. It's the alternator because that's the source of the power that you're missing. Here's what I'm afraid. I'm afraid sometimes we have a spiritual withered part of our life and we treat all the symptoms. We treat the headlights or the batteries. Well, the problem is the source of our joy, our peace, and our contentment is Christ. That's where we need to fix that. Number one, notice, if you will, Christ healed and restored what was withered. And then in that, Christ restored the opportunity that he had. But finally, look at this and we'll be done. The last part, the Bible says he restored him what? He restored him to be whole. Notice the extent of the restoration. I've talked to Brother David Monroe about car restora uh, restorations. He has a beautiful Mustang in his house. And you have full restorations and partial restorations. Where you just want to get it and drive it, or do you want it to look pretty to go down there on cruising the coast? And zip up and down the interstate. You want a full restoration. Can I tell you, Christ does not do partial restoration. Christ does full restorations. That's why, listen, an encounter with Christ is vital because, number three, Christ restores us fully. I'm thankful Jesus doesn't give out Band-Aids. He gives us out what makes us whole again and restores what's hurting and restores what's missing and fills our joy up. What did he say in John 5? Wilt thou be made whole? He didn't say, hey... You want to fix for today? I can make you feel better today, but at midnight when the clock strikes, you're going back to being empty again. No, Jesus says, watch this. He says, these things have I written that your joy may be full. Christ wants us to have a full joy and full peace and full contentment. The problem is we have a withered part and we turn to this and we turn to that and retail therapy and all of these things and all we do is put a Band-Aid on it. Jesus says, oh, no, no. I want your joy to be full. But what do we have to do? Well, it's amazing when you read this. The Bible says that he told him, let me read it back for you in the book of Mark. The only words Jesus mentioned in verse 5 were this, stretch forth thine hand. Do you know what he was doing when he put his hand out there? He was trusting Jesus to do what only Jesus could do. Okay. I've seen all the doctors. I've talked to all the therapists. There's no help. But Jesus says, give me what you've got, and I'll make it whole again fully. Fully. Can I ask you something this morning? 
are you serious about having what is withered restored? What is it? I, I don't know. By the way, if anybody in this room tells you that there's not times in their life when something isn't withered, they're lying to you. Every one of us are going to have times where something is withered. It's not what it ought to be. It's not functioning right. And you're just, the word withered, when you look it up, it means dry. It means dry. You ever feel spiritually dry? There's nothing left. There's no life left. I am just miserable. Oh, I've been there in my life. The joy was gone. The peace is gone. And you go to Christ. You say, this is my fault. It's withered and it's my fault. You don't find an angry God. No, you find a loving Savior who says, casting all your care upon me. God, it's withered. You say, well, it's withered because it's my fault. Well, all sin is our fault. God, it's withered. My joy is not functioning right. My peace is not functioning right. I don't have the power of God. I don't have contentment in my life. Can you do something with this? I promise you his hand is still not short that it can't save. I've never taken him something that was withered and dry and barren that he didn't restore and restore fully. I wonder this morning, are we tired enough of the excuses and the substitutes for all that we've been trying to fill the void and finally they decided to go to God and say, God, I need restoration, I need restoring. I promise you this morning, like the man with a withered hand, he's asking, wilt thou be made whole? Don't ask Jesus to do something half-heartedly. He can restore it. He can give life to it again this morning. If we're just willing to do what? By faith, give him our hand. Give him our hand. This morning, what are you holding back from Jesus that's withered? What are you holding back? He says, give me your hand. Give me your hand. Give me your heart. Give me your joy. I'll make it full this morning. I pray that each and every one of us would crave a true encounter with Christ so much that we'll no longer accept the substitutes and bow before an almighty God and say, I just need Jesus. I need a closer walk with him. I need what has been withered, restored. This morning, let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed just for a few minutes. Can I ask you a question?